0: Welcome to A Free Solution.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining me. We will eventually have a guest on the line. We had some technical difficulties rolling in. We have Marcus Williams, who is running for city council in Rochester. We're going to talk about some Rochester issues today. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the city. And what happens in the city impacts... Uh, the entire region, and, and by the way folks i want I want to do a few series on this, so if there 's anyone that you think that I should be interviewing, who are members of town councils, who are you know village mayors who are Anywhere in the listening area, like I want to talk about those issues too, because I want to just—I feel like I talk about Rochester a lot because I know it because I live here. But I want to talk about what's going on in the other counties, in in the other towns outside of Rochester. So it sounds like we do have Marcus on the line now. Marcus, welcome to a free solution.
2: Hey, how's it going today, everybody?
1: Fantastic, Marcus. Thanks, thanks so much for being here. It's too bad about the technical difficulties, but we got it worked out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. I'm so happy.
1: All right, so, Marcus, I I had introduced you already. You know, I I introduced you as someone who's running for city council in Rochester, and you are running as a Republican, correct?
2: Oh, indeed I am. Um, Definitely something in the city. It's not a lot of us. Um, It's it's, uh, definitely something you don't see every day, but I'm proud of my um, party, and I'm proud of my run.
1: All right. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself and then why you're running for city council and then, you know, why you chose to run as a Republican, too. In a in a city that's that's fairly democratic.
2: And it fairly it was a very generous way to term it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh my name is Marcus C. Williams. I've grown up in Rochester pretty much my whole life. I attended all Rochester City Schools, so Um, fortunately and unfortunately, I'm well-versed in the Rochester City School District. Um, I love my city. I, I've never really been much for politics. Um, a couple of years ago, I started to get into politics because I attempted to reach out to my city council person that represented my district and I just could not get a meeting. I just could not get a meeting. It was like this person represented me all through middle school, all through high school. And I just could not get a meeting and I was fed up. I was like, you know, this is not what government, especially local government, small government is supposed to be about. And I was like, I'm tired of this nonsense and I see so much going on in my community that is not being addressed and nothing seems to be changing. So I wanted to do something to take action for that. Um, I ran in 2017. It was the first time I decided to run. Um, I ran as, at, at that point, so a little background on me. I'm a business owner, an uh, entrepreneur. Um, I have a retail business, a cell phone store on West Main Street. I've been in business for ooh, since 2009 now. Um, uh, I actually also have a business development and training company as well. So we do business development, sales training, and management training. Um, I love business. I'm really not a big politics person, but the city needs desperate assistance as far as leadership goes. It's just so lacking. So when I ran in 2017, um, I had been brought up a Democrat. You know, I'm black, I'm an urbanite, and in my generation – I'm almost guaranteed to be a Democrat. So that's all I knew as I was raised. And when I went out for election, I saw how the Monroe County Committee was treating candidates that I thought were pretty good candidates that I felt that I could vote for. And they were just like uh, pooping all over them. You know, I I was like, that's not okay. It's It's not okay. These are like really good people, genuine people that have real good qualities and are actually worth letting the people hear about. And they were just, I I was very perturbed. I also learned a little bit about campaign financing and the reason why people don't actually get third parties elected in New York state, because like, for example, and I'm just throwing out some numbers here. They're not right on, but they're right about right. Let's say a Democrat can, uh, can, um, get $5,000 from an individual. A Republican can get $4,000 from an individual. A third party candidate, maybe at the time when there was a Libertarian Party and there were some other parties like the Green Party and stuff before Cuomo erased them, um, they can only raise like $1,000 a person maybe. And I was like, this is not what America is about. And i am it's my first dip into politics. And I'm like, I was astonished and it really, really made me get taken aback because I'm like, this is not the America that I thought that we were supposed to have. This is not the dream I was, I was sold a false bill of goods, you know?
1: All um, well, let's add some context to this. Like, the, some of the ways in which they're able to do that, uh, you know, the, the the legal ways in which you're able to kind of almost sort of kind of double dip on donations is donations to parties that they can then use uh, to, to support different candidates. And you, there are legal ways to do it, which is why it's all the more, like, interesting and, and frustrating to see Lovely War and, like— mess up on that and end up getting in trouble for for that double dipping. And, and maybe we'll talk about her a little bit more later. But uh, yeah, you're, you're right. That's that's how it often works. And, and they're able to, you know, raise far more funds, not only because of the institutional advantages of, of being incumbents in many cases or having the entrenched party infrastructure, but because of the way the laws work, it creates further incumbency and in institutional advantages for the major two parties leaving out independent sources. So that's 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 a lot of great points but I want to add some context to what you had said there.
2: I appreciate that. No, it's it's very true and and I know we're not talking about some of the house resolutions like HR1 and stuff it is just it just gets worse as as we're going forward but um to follow up on what I was saying so after that I was kind of disheartened with the way that the Democratic Party was operating. And then the um, spring of that year, coming up in 2018, Nancy Pelosi shut down the federal government for um, her inaction while Obama was president. She didn't do anything to get the Dreamer Act solidified or to get them citizenship or a pathway to citizenship or anything. And he had eight years in office, and she did nothing. So now a new president was coming in, and she decided that she wanted to shut down the federal government for people who are not even citizens and were not even able to vote. So for me, as an American citizen and as a black man in America, I'm like, well, right now we have a serious crisis in Puerto Rico. You did not shut down the federal government for the crisis in Puerto Rico, and they are in desperate need. Like, we have our own Hispanics in this country that are in serious, serious, dire conditions and you're not doing anything about them and they're American citizens, they're voters. And and she never shut down the government for me her, as a black man in America and, and and for black issues in America. And it's like, it's, and, and we see this transitioning into the party today as far as the administration is in office right now. They talk a good game as far as uh, the African-American community, but they do everything for literally every other group except african americans and that was for me was my last minute deciding that i wanted to be in a party that had no representation of me as far as policies and as far as actions. it's good that they talk a good game but i need policies and action so i did some soul searching um i I searched for different parties that more so might represent my values and stuff i looked at the libertarian party i like them um, good party at the time, which doesn't exist anymore in New York State, sadly enough. Um, sort of. I uh, you think... know, I, I'd be <laughs>
1: remiss if I didn't say it. It, it sort of still exists, just not as as an official New York State approved party anymore. But the organization's still there.
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm, I'm glad because it's it's a it, the re, the representation is needed, and, and the values that the Libertarian Party represents are very good and very strong. Um, so so for me. Um, but I just resonated more so with the values of the, the stated values, let me be, let me make sure I say it like that, of the Republican Party. Um, and for me, when I decided that the Republican Party was the party for me, um, I felt welcome. I didn't feel as though anybody was being racist or discriminatory against me within the party. Uh, every time I go to events or anything, everybody's very warm. Um, the policies that they implement for me Uh, on the different levels that they implement policies generally would positively impact more so black communities if we had more representation in the party to focus it in the district and the areas in which minorities live. But that's not, that you know, mostly Democrats run places like Rochester for really the last 50 years, and it's just really time for a change um and i hate to say change because that's what everybody promises but something different it's clear that and this isn't to say that the democratic party is bad per se you know so this isn't me bashing them but if you've been in the sole control of the school board the mayorship and the city council for almost 50 years and there is nobody from any other party showing any type of a different point of view or any type of different policies that could possibly be instituted, you must own your your party's policies. They Everything that mistakes. has befallen Rochester is from the policies and the direct action that have come from the Democratic management and facilitation of the city. Marcus, and there's I'm no going to cut
1: you off for a second because I know we do. We got to go to a break. Uh, Now, But that is a great jumping off point because in the next segment, we'll start talking about what are some of those policies? Where has the Democratic Party in the city of Rochester failed? And then after that, what can we do about it? All right. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. We're joined by Marcus Williams, a candidate for city council here in Rochester. We'll be back in just
0: a few. free solution
1: welcome back to a free solution i'm kevin wilson your host today thank you so much for joining us we're here on wysl live until 1 p.m leave your comments online if you're listening over on a free solution the facebook page a free solution the youtube channel or the kevin Wilson pages on facebook or twitter too Shout out down the line to our friends listening over at WACK out in Newark and WENI, the Patriot down in the Southern Tier. Appreciate you all being here as well. Uh, we're joined by Marcus Williams, who's a city council candidate running in Rochester, New York. And we're talking about the, the decades of failed policies uh, in Rochester and how those have uh, impacted the city. So l- let's talk about like what were some of the, the problems, what were some of the issues that, that you're seeing coming up uh, on the campaign trail?
2: Um, a very large issue that I think is undressed by city council is the drug crime and violence related to it. Um, they talk a lot about illegal guns and stuff like that, but and for me as a strong and firm supporter of the Second Amendment, that to me is a very big issue. But what do they need the guns for? This is the question. They need it for their drug territory. They're out here selling drugs and they're trying to defend their territory or take territory or take somebody else's drug money, and they don't really address that issue. And what we're seeing right now is a weak leadership, unfortunately, that refuses to support the police um, against the criminality that goes on in the city. Um, the, The police are consistently berated and badgered every day and harassed in, in, in the worst ways when they're trying to do their job to um protect our communities, which at this point with bill reform and just a continuous revolving door of a, at the jail with appearance tickets and stuff, it's just madness and none of them will stand up and say anything. It's disappointing.
1: Alright, so mm-hmm. so we we got a couple different issues there. Some some states, some you know, local issues. So let's start beginning, uh, you know, like, it, it is true that there does seem to be a bit of a rise in violence in the city. It, it's been happening over the last couple of years. It could be just like the desperation related to COVID. Maybe people are looking for, you know, new ways to get money. And the black market for drugs is is a way to do that. Uh, you know, like, my my pushback on that is do we create – more opportunities for people to engage in violence when these drugs are illegal, and is there any way to pursue harm reduc- reduction by bringing drug sales out of the black market so the so that the only could, again let me let me explain my logic on this right now the only way to get recompense if you're in a black market situation if someone steals your stuff or takes your territory or does whatever. The only way to do that is vigilante justice. Mm-hmm. If we bring that into mm-hmm. the legal system – oh, go ahead.
2: No, I was saying we're seeing a lot of that going
1: on. Yeah, it, no, there, there's a ton of that going on. So so, and then, so that, that's kind of my take on that. It's like I, you know, I, like, how do we solve the immediate problem? Like the, you know, the, the drug laws, they aren't really controlled by the, the city for the most part, but does it – is the way to do this greater drug enforcement? Because what I would worry would happen with that is just more violent interactions with the police and more uh, distrust of the police in some of these communities that are already feel over, over-monitored uh, because of the existing drug, drug war.
2: I have to step in there because I, right. I, I definitely live in a high-crime neighborhood that's predominantly um, African-American, unfortunately. Um, The majority of citizens just uh, want to live their lives and be free from concern that they're going to end up catching a stray bullet or be stabbed by mistake on a daily basis. Um, It's not that people feel that way, it's that it's a small group of people who are very vocal and who are pushing this nonsense and lunacy to divide our nation, which is a a much larger national issue, which is a national security issue, which is probably a topic for a different show. Um, but as far as you addressing the say, talking about the drugs, um, should they be legalized now? This is a pretty pretty libertarian uh, side of me um, Man honestly personally and this is a personally not a political thing because I'm not on that level to do that or even regulate it um, I Feel like if you're if people are going to use drugs They're probably going to use drugs anyway a large issue in the United States right now is the quality control and the sourcing that's why you see so many overdoses. That's why you see so many issues with, um, with secondary effects and with withdrawal symptoms, where if there were pure drugs, you wouldn't see these issues. Um, now, what could the government do? I mean, in, in, in the perfect world, the government would legalize the drugs, right? A- almost all of the drugs, right? But we know that that's not realistic. And unfortunately that's probably not practical and most people would most likely not support that either in the way that our country is set up right now. Um, and then you have to deal with government oversight and, and you know our government likes to reach into everything and they just terrible at managing
1: anything no. these days. Yeah, they'll find it's a way really to it. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, um,
2: yeah, so, okay, yeah, I mean, I mean that, that's, that's where it is on, on, on that issue. But people just want to see that there is some actual curbing to the people for the violence that's happening in the community they want to see that violent criminals will be held to account by the law but right now there is nothing but lawlessness and it's problematic because people are terrified to leave their homes and what's happening is people will go out will go out you'll get a gun charge you'll come back out and get another gun charge and come back out as we just saw with this guy that they had to send the SWAT team after the other day. So it's it's really, really, really something serious that needs to be addressed. And if the city would stand up and say, you know, we really do support the police, and the police are doing, are trying, even though we do see that there is a, necess- uh, a necessity for certain police reforms and their procedures to be uh, evaluated, We also understand that there is a strong need to provide the civilians with the protection that they deserve from criminals because the criminals right now seem to have all of the rights, and as a law-abiding citizen and a taxpayer, we seem to have none.
1: Right. So, I mean, a lot of that's about finding that balance between like you, you do have a right. You do have due process rights. Uh, you know, uh, maybe I, I want to get in the bail form right now. Maybe we could talk about it in the next segment. But, you know, uh, I, I will point out that the, uh, the the guy you talked about that the SWAT team went after. So he was suspected of i uh, I hope I'm getting this right. Is is he was suspected of uh, shooting someone on Monroe Ave, which is an area where there, there usually isn't a ton of violence. It, so that kind of surprised a lot of folks in the southeast area where I live. Uh, and then, and then the police killed him. Like they, so they, they like tracked him down throughout the day. He tried to to allegedly, you know, shoot at police officers, and then and then the the SWAT team killed him. But he was wanted for a couple other crimes, um, and and then yeah, like with, with the, I said with the bail reform stuff, which I I don't think we have time to get into. Like, you know, what what level of crime justifies keeping someone indefinitely, and what level of crime justifies. Providing that, uh, requiring that extra financial incentive for keeping someone in, uh, uh, getting someone back to court because bail bail reform, I, I, Mark, you know, like I, I talk about this all the time. Bail reform, it's uh, it's mostly if you're rich enough, you can get out anyway. It, but if you don't have any money, you can't pay that like five thousand dollar bail, then, then then you get stuck in jail. So it doesn't actually keep violent people off the streets. It keeps poor people off the streets, and I, and I think that's that's an important distinction to make with, with the bail reform stuff is that this, this doesn't really apply to, to people who are, are wealthy, and this just makes it so you get appearance tickets for low-level crimes. And, and I, I want to say that the, the gun crimes are, are still bailable offenses, but, but maybe I'm, I'm incorrect on that one. Right. Well, you know, I didn't give you—I didn't leave you enough time to respond to that stuff. But, but, marks—we'll talk about that when we come back. Again, we're joined by Marcus Williams, who is a candidate for city council in Rochester, and we're going to be back with more from a free solution in just a few minutes.
0: Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to SimpleTech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that SimpleTech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at SimpleTech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website. They're hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the Best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A plus better business bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585 200 3182. That's 585 200 3182. Simple Tech Innovations, a free solution.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. We're live here on WYSL until 1 o'clock, which means that you, the listener, can comment online if you're listening online. Sorry, the phone lines are tied up today because we have a guest, Marcus Williams, candidate for Rochester City Council, and... Shout down the line to our friends listening over at WACK out in Newark and WE and I the Patriot down Southern here, too. Make sure I get you guys in there. Love you guys. All right. So again, we're talking with Marcus Williams. We're talking about uh, violence in the city, which again, it, something that is you know definitely caught the attention of many people. We're talking about some of the bail reform stuff, which which of course is a, a state law anyway. And so you know, folks like uh, the the people like Marcus who who could in theory get elected the city council and and the 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 Whoever ends up being the mayor after this primary—I don't think there's anyone running other than the Democrats this time—they have to figure out some ways, like how do you protect people's rights and civil liberties, navigate the issues with police, and also— Make sure that communities can feel safe because that's that's a legitimate concern, too. Right. If you, you're worried about being able to go outside and, and and live your life and have your kids outside, then that's that's a quality of life concern that needs to be addressed. And so, Marcus, you, you'd you also talked about, like, trust between uh, police and the community. I mean, if you were elected to city council, like what are some issues? What are some ways that you would uh, start to address that? And like, what what's your your vision for what those types of relationships might look like?
2: I've got a few different initiatives that I'd like to focus on in order to help restore that. Um, One of my big things is a lot of people complain about the policing and how police don't come from the neighborhoods that they police. So what I would like to see is, and in my vision, is pushing a campaign, be the police. So you're concerned about the crime, the violence, and the treatment in your community um, dealing with policing. So you should go out and you should work to join the police force so you know you could be the change that you want to see, as they say. Yeah. So that that's a very big thing for me. I'd also like to see um, a program in schools, in the city schools and high schools, for like uh, ROTC, but for the police. Now, it's it's to my um, knowledge that they used to have a program like this, something similar to that, but it got canceled years and years ago. Um and I think that that should be brought back. I also have an um, initiative to help um, more so associate the community and the police with not so necessarily violence issues and things like that, but with large issues where there's economic disparity in the city, you tend to see lots of vacant lots. Now, with the vacant lots, the city owns the majority of the lots. So what my idea there would be is we can take like a um, – If you know, like the construction trailers like they have that are like the shipping containers. So relatively affordable, um, extremely portable. And we can just like put like an office there, like a small office, no real thing with with a neighborhood community police officer. That's there just to take reports and just to hear the input from the community. And we could even probably integrate that with somebody that's there sometimes for – mental health outreach because you know sometimes you need to talk to somebody um yeah, so right. those are so, three so, things that I,
1: i'd like to see mm-hmm. so the like the on the last idea this is like a, a micro substation type thing because like the city has like in a neighborhood you know substations throughout the city and whatnot but you're, you're thinking like finding different ways to have like kind of a, a stable area for people to to know that the police are going to be around and and where they can go and file reports and where they could get help with other various issues Exactly, that's something
2: right. that's um, that that feels more personal. Like, so this is an idea that you see in um, uh, that works very well in Japan. So they have these things called kubans, which are very little, small standing police stations that you really basically have a desk and a chair in, um, mm-hmm. and they're like neighborhood community police places where people can see the police, they can talk to them stuff like that and it works very well with neighborhood integration and I think that that would be a good benefit to the community
1: okay so seeing as you're you're looking to kind of expand the footprint of the police you you wouldn't be in favor of cutting their budget like like some of the other uh, city council members are right now
2: oh that's what we're not doing however I am about limiting government spending like the Mm -hmm. way that the government spent the city government and well all the government but the city government spends money there's no accountability you can't see any receipts. Excuse me for using the C word, but you're unable to see any receipts. Um, you try to file for a FOIL app- application, and they give you all types of pushback on why you're not able to get the financing information for projects. And that is our taxpayer money. Like the same thing for the school district. Like all of those receipts should be accounted for. Like they should be on a city public ledger where you can. they are easily accessible. I'm not for a lot of the spending that the that the police department does, um, like, but but some of it's specifically allocated for specific tax from um, for specific things from the government, the state, or whatever. Like, they have the money to build police stations all over the place, but we don't have enough police to staff them. Like that to me is ridiculous. You know that that's problematic. That's wasteful spending at the utmost. And like my um, my particular idea is a much smaller much more implementable, and it'll save a ton of money. We just need to save the money where we can, but we're not about to defund the police because we need to increase recruitment, like I said, and we need to increase recruitment, especially focused, from the neighborhoods heavily impacted from um, violence and crime.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean, so... so it's interesting you say a couple things. There there was, like, proposals that, to kind of, like, reorganize the Quadra system. They're going to build a massive, like, uh, new station over on, on Main Street. That kind of got canceled because the, the vote for that came up last year when we were in the middle of the Daniel Prude stuff. Um, so no decrease in budget. So where where then could the city save money and make sure that, like, my taxes don't go up?
2: Okay, so I've got – now, now you're talking into different initiatives, which would be for me outside of the um, policing.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Go ahead.
2: I've got a few. I've got a few initiatives for that. Um, I've got an advanced city greenhouse program that I'd like to implement. Again, we have a lot of vacant lots in areas that are heavily impacted by being food deserts, um, and we can use those. We can implement that. Not only can we grow our own fresh vegetables and sell them to the community as well as to businesses, but we can also use it as a learning tool and a training facility to actually teach people about advanced aeroponics and stuff like that. And if given enough, if able to generate enough funding for that, because there are grants and um, stuff out, things out there for the projects from on both the state and the federal level, I've looked into it,
1: um, yeah, well, I mean, Marcus, can, who, who would pay for that? Because uh-huh. right now, you, you can already, like, in fact, I'm, I'm a participant in this. You can already, like, go to vacant lots, ask the city to use them and set up gardens and whatnot there. Uh, Food Link does it all the time. Like, who, who, who's going to pay for, like, the aeroponics equipment? Like, what's, what's your expansion here?
2: So um, I actually like to watch a lot of the um, Senate and the House of Representatives um, on C-SPAN. And there's tons of funding out there for these types of projects. There's just tons of funding. You have to just go look for the money. It's there. I've I've witnessed so many things for science and grants and stuff from the government that it's like I didn't even know that they're giving out money for these projects. And I'm like, wow. If I had the time, (laughs) I need to make the time to go get this money that they're giving out for these things that are important to me. Um, So like that. revamping our recycling program is a very serious thing to me as a business owner i use a ton just a i get a ton of cardboard boxes um and we don't really do any recycling in the city you know the county has some recycling things but they don't even actually really recycle the stuff we should be looking into doing something with a paper mill even if we're just going to use it for things like facial tissue or just to use it for more boxes or even sell sell it as um like uh, the um, as raw materials, as pulp or whatever, to some group that would actually be able to make it into other stuff. Because there's money in these projects, and we can actually generate revenue for the city, and thereby decrease the tax burden on the individual citizens. Because trust me, if it was up to me, we would pay as minimal taxes necessary. Like I, I, right, I'm so- not a very large fan of taxes.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. No, who is? Uh, but but you're saying like the the city should set up its own recycling program concurrent with the the county program, which right now is is facing some difficulty because we used to sell all our trash to China, the the the, the paper yep. products, the plastic products, and right now they don't want to take it anymore. They're done. They they are not interested, and so a lot of it is just piling up. I mean, doesn't that just double down the problem? or are you are you proposing like? uh, in actual processing and like repurposes repurposing and the new materials funded by the city government.
2: Yes, that's what I'm proposing. Well, not necessarily, well, funded in part by the city government. Um, there's some logistics that would have to be worked out there, but like I said, there is government focused project money for these type of things already out there. We just have to go reach for it and get it. And I am proposing that we do set up a mill here in Rochester we used to have tons of mills to create all types of things. We have nothing. This would also bring more jobs. So,
1: okay, we're right creation. on. We're, we're out of time There's for this statement. segment, uh, Marcus. So, like, I, I don't want to jump into any new things yet, but we're going to have one more segment for you to continue talking about your policy proposals. Again, we're joined by Marcus Williams, who is a candidate for Rochester City Council running as a Republican up here. Uh, we'll be back with more on a free solution in just a few minutes. a free solution welcome back to a free solution i'm kevin wilson your host today thank you so much for joining us we are here live on wysl speaking with marcus williams who is a candidate for rochester city council running on the republican side though so he's not doesn't have to worry about the primary where the most of the local media will treat that as the race itself but we don't do here do that here on a free solution mostly because me and uh Andrew Hollister, who also ran for city council a few years ago, didn't like seeing that happen to us. So we're giving Marcus a chance to discuss things uh, as that race is heating up. And, Marcus, we were talking about a few of your solutions. We talked about the, the recycling idea. We talked about some of the police substation stuff. Uh, what what other things do you think are gonna are you going to make a priority?
2: So financial literacy is a big thing to empowering the um, community, and I would like to set up some – actual things to facilitate that in the city. Um, I'd also like to work on a child care network. So now I'm big on cutting back on government. So a lot of the policies for zoning and things like that inside the city, I wanna repeal because the government's hands are all over all of your business and all of your things that you wanna do to your own house and on your own property. And I just think that that's ridiculous. But one place that I can see that the government can help is the city government has a lot of property that they own, okay? There is a very large necessity for people to have good quality child care. Child care enables people to actually go into the workforce and empowers them to be active, productive members of our society. And it's hard if you have a child and if you want to do overnight daycare or if you need early morning daycare, a lot of that's difficult. Sometimes you have transportation issues. Not every place has transportation for your child. And if we create a city network of all the um, of all the daycare providers here to work together, we can actually help offset some of those costs for transport, and we can also use that networking in and of itself to help spur people to get into the child care profession because it is independent contracting for the majority of that. So each individual child care professional is usually their own business, which is a wonderful thing. That's the American dream, right there, being able to provide for yourself and make your own living and be your own boss. And I'd like to empower people to be able to do that. Um, I'd like to talk more about that, but it's a little detailed.
1: No, sure. I mean, and and gosh, I could probably do a whole show on some of that stuff because uh, you know, I a I, I have a kid now, and so my finding child care is, is bonkers. Like we, we put our names yeah. on a waiting list in October and for, for a couple places. And there's one place where we're still like eighth on the waiting list. It's, it's nuts. Um, and you know, my kid's three and a half months old now. And, uh, you know i have worked in kind of the family child care space, which is what I assume you're talking about you know some mm-hmm. of my my concern about that though is, like what was that actually look like are we are we talking about again a, a city owned child care network a city no. subsidized child care no. network it, or like it, what what, was what we're the, looking
2: at what we're what we're talking about is we're talking about so you know how the state has special classes that you have to go to for however long to do something like that, but not something so heavy and intensive um something that gets you to be a part of this network where you join a list of different um, child care providers. And if you're on this list of child care providers, you can have the option of shifting your child between child care providers. So it's like a safety net because sometimes something might happen at your one child care facility and you're not able so you don't have a backup. So now you have to take off of work for however long, or you have to stay home, and that might be the difference for you being able to provide for your child, and child care is not cheap. It's yeah. not inexpensive I mean, by any means.
1: No, no, you know? yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy expensive. So, so it's like you, 300 so yeah, bucks a so week most places. If, um, if, if, if
2: you miss out on work because you have to take care of your child because you're not able to get to your child care provider that day, that would be one of the things that this network could help provide an um, offset for.
1: And yeah, I mean, as well like what,
2: working on communal transportation.
1: Yeah, I mean, what, one of the big challenges with that too, and again, this is like partially a state OCFS type of thing, is that it's it's providing staffing for those because you know what? Excuse me, folks listening. My my cat has decided to jump on and start attacking my microphone. Um, the the one of the big issues though is that like you know you like especially for infant care, right? You need to have at least four. Uh, one person for every four infants, so you can't scale up easily. So, so making sure that you have enough people is, is uh, an issue. And listen, maybe I'll do a whole show on this. I, I don't want to, like, spend the rest of the segment on the child care issue. I could dive into the details if you want. But, Marcus, I want to make sure I, I don't consume all of our time talking about this one thing. And you know, I want to give you the opportunity to, to chat about any other stuff. Or we keep going on this. It's up to you, man.
2: Um. Hey, uh, I just tell people, check out my website, marcusforrochester.com. It's got, all of, it's got many of my initiatives on there and many of the things that I want to do and some great videos. Um, you can check me out on Facebook at um, facebook.com backslash Marcus, the number four, Rochester. Um, check me out, and then you'll be able to gather some more information there. But I, I'd say I'd, I'd like to um, – I've got a whole bunch of different things, act, active things that can actually be done and implemented that will be cost-effective. Because my main concern is increasing your quality of life in the city and controlling the spending that the city is doing because there's just not enough accountability. And I really do want to reduce the tax burden on the populace and the government invading your life in every pore and crevice of all of their regulations and hampering you from doing your work. Like, I would really like to see a complete... Going through of all of the city policies as far as zoning and housing and improvements go, because yeah. a well, lot actually, of them let me are let me ask you about that, old, you know.
1: Yeah, so like we we have the, the in, in the city of Rochester the 2034 plan coming out, which which addresses some issues to zoning. What do you think of that? Are, are you pro uh some of those changes against somewhere in between?
2: Some some of them are good, some of them are not so good. I think a lot of them. Are wishful thinking, but I think more than that, what I see the plan do is ensavage the people who live here now. I believe that with this plan, the majority of the community members who are living in the in Rochester presently will end up being pushed outside of Rochester if everything is fully implemented the way in which they're proposing. So I don't think a lot of people are looking at that, and that's also a big push from the city. If you see the city now, they're not about the city residents. They're not about creating local jobs and fostering entrepreneurship. They're about bringing corporations from outside of the city into the city when they can always just pack up and go if they decide to. If you create a business inside the city and you're from the city, you're more likely to stay here and you're more likely to hire from here. And that's one of my main drives for me running for city council because I'm an entrepreneur myself. And I'd like to give more outreach and um, stewardship to people who are looking to start their own businesses so that we can build Rochester from within and give the people the power to empower themselves.
1: Yeah. Well, all right, man. Um, Thanks so much again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Marcus, real quick, where can people find you? we got about a minute left. And and, throw in any last things you need to say.
2: All right. So you can check me out. I'm on Facebook. So, Marcus C. Williams, you'll find me if you search me, Marcus C. Williams, or Facebook.com slash Marcus, the number four, Rochester.com, I mean, Marcus, the number four, Rochester on Facebook, and you can check out my website, Marcus4Rochester.com. I'm also on Twitter, Marcus4ROC. Um, Check me out. I'm very responsive. If you have any questions, you can get me on my website, get me on my Facebook, Right on.
1: Marcus, thank you so much for joining us today. That's all we have for a free solution. I'll be back tomorrow with Tim O'Connor. Talk to you then.